So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta? Welcome back to the Active Atlanta Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Swart. And today, y'all, we have someone that I am so excited to talk to. We just spent a few minutes talking shop before we hit the record button. And guys, this person is just a wealth of knowledge. He has a, a diverse background and working with a very specific population. And I cannot wait to get him, uh, give him the opportunity to talk a little bit more. So uh, without further ado, we have Coach Sam Braxton. He is the youth athletic development coach over at Fitwit. He used to be a special education educator. Uh, he's got a son of three. He got his start in strength and conditioning via working with ACL athletes. Guys, these all go hand in hand, and I can't wait to talk about it a little bit more. So, uh, Coach Sam, thank you so much for getting on the podcast. Hey, man, I appreciate you, dude, for letting me join in. And uh, really excited to, once again, like we had our conversation off air and to talk shop and hopefully you know we talk about some topics and information that really you know can help some people out dude i think so man i think like uh well one i think that uh what y'all do over at fitwit is so um it's so awesome to have that as part of the community here in decatur right so um it's not every day that you can find a gym that's that's put like one, the growth story of Fitwood is pretty wild. Started off doing boot camp classes in a parking lot. And look at us now, or look at y'all yeah, now, right? So exactly, um, yeah. It's like uh, it's really cool to see that, and that goes to, that speaks to the leadership over there as well as the um, just the quality of coaches that have been over there. And um, no doubt, you're part of that. That you're part of that network. So, um, man, I got to ask you, going from special education into uh, strength and conditioning, what's what was that transition like, and what made you want to jump make that jump? Yeah. Um, so after I graduated from Morehouse College, because um, okay. that's what brought me down here to Atlanta. I'm from Seattle, Washington. So, oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Traveled from West Coast to East Coast. Yeah, let's and, go. And, um, and so after I graduated, I worked for an agency called Seneca Family Agencies. And I worked with their specific program called In Tandem that mm -hmm collaborated with Seattle Public Schools to help kids that were that have more emotional behavioral disorders and problems transition back into the classroom. And if you know you work in special education or even worked in schools, you probably heard about an individual education plan, an IEP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sit in these meetings and talk with teachers and administrators and our counselors and talk about how we can help kids get back to their classrooms. And this is where they're at and then devise a plan on how to get them to their ultimate goal. And so I kind of took that with my exercise science kinesiology degree from Morehouse and said, well, how can I kind of relate this to fitness? And then 
Um, I found strength training, read one of my favorite books, uh, The CEO Strength Coach. Mm. And from there, I just took this deep dive. I was always, always a big exercise and fitness enthusiast. But reading that book, I really discovered a whole new realm of strength and conditioning where that was really what the process of everything is, figuring out where people are, where do they need to be, and then just reverse engineer it. So mm-hmm. I was already doing it in a kind of behavioral realm and special education. Yeah. And then now I get to do it in the realm of, you know, barbells, trap bars, dumbbells, you know, conditioning and exercise physiology. And so that's how I kind of made that transition. Um, I know that's a little bit, you know, side road, not, not usually the most, uh, typical route but uh that's that's what worked for me yeah dude no i love it because i think you're so right like i don't care if you're a physical therapist if you're a coach if you're a personal trainer if you're a massage therapist like whatever the case may be like a lot of times it turns into you start to realize like all the like things that you think were cool with strength condition like oh man what's the exact what's the best periodization program i could put together or like with the pt like what's the best manipulation technique i can use or like what or like all these like shiny objects out there right like they're really kind of worthless if you don't understand like the human psych- psyche side of things, right? Like if you yeah, don't understand right. like how to communicate with people, if you don't understand like understanding like if you don't try to take the time to understand like why these issues are even important to them, right? Like you're yeah. kind of setting yourself up for failure. So I love that you came into the SNC world with that at the forefront, right? Like that's not the typical that's not the ty- typical direction to take, and it's gonna I'm sure it serves your your uh, population so well. Yeah. I mean, with to me, with coaching that I've learned is, you know, I wanted to go to school because I got my master's at Georgia yeah. in strength conditioning. Yeah, and I saw it, that UGA shirt on there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got to rep my dogs. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it, it, and, you know, it, it really helped me. Don't And don't get me wrong. Like program was awesome. A lot of my professional network came from me being in that program from internships to honestly, even me understanding ACLs. Right. Yeah. That, came through all that. But the biggest thing for me when it came to coaching that helped me grow as a coach was learning communication. Yeah, It's cool if you know how to write everything down on paper, but what makes a program effective is your execution of it. Well, mm-hmm. how do you execute it? It's your communication. Totally. So your ability to communicate what's on the paper to the client or to the athlete is ultimately going to get them their results. It's going to be the difference between You know, if that's just one rep or one quality rep, right? That's the difference. So for me, um, and one of the best ways that I learned how to coach was by talking to youth athletes. Because if if you can communicate this to a seven-year-old or to you know your you know your your grandmother that knows nothing about exercise science or knows nothing about how to do a hinge pattern, Mm -hmm. well then you're probably coaching very, very effectively. Dude, for sure. I think like, especially when you start talking about like youth sports, right? Like um, kids are wild, man. I remember, so like I did some, I was a, um, I did some SNC work at a local fitness facility, much, uh, much like um, Fitwit, but in my hometown, I'm actually from Ohio. Um, So then um, I remember- uh, I'm from this, from like the Columbus area, like this small town just north of Columbus called Marion, Ohio is where I'm from. Okay. Um, I got a lot of friends from that, from that area. Okay. Just yeah, yeah, man. Columbus is sweet. I've not, I've got nothing but great things about to say about the about uh, Columbus and the Buckeyes. But um, yeah, man, it was wild because like I was coaching, so there I was, like man, twenty two, something like that, right? Like trying mm-hmm. to coach these youth athletes, and I'm trying to teach them how to hinge, right? Like we're going over like how to do 
um, like just beginning level, uh, like deadlift type of techniques. Right? I think like, the most fun. That's the most fun. That's the that's the funniest pattern to teach a youth athlete is the hinge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. They were cracking up because don't even try and put them on single leg. Yeah, no way. Yeah, it's the goofiest <laughs> thing you're ever going to see in life. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so <laughs> funny because you got these kids and like we generally view kids as fairly athletic because they are, man. But like their, their body control is just like minimal, right? Yes. And uh, I remember telling this kid, I was like, you know, you're going through all the hinge, like common cues that you work on, right? It's like, act like you're closing a door with your butt or, you know, um, mm-hmm. act like you're taking a bow, da 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 And then this one kid, and these, this was a group of like, I don't know, like nine-year-olds or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, is it like it's, if it, is it like you're trying to shoot a rocket out of your butt? I was like, well, I guess, right? Like, <laughs> if, like, if you're trying to aim it back at the wall, it's like, all right. And then their deadlifts got like picture perfect, man. It was so funny. I was like, hey, if that's what works, it's what works. First, yeah, exactly. I was going to, uh, the first thing that popped in my head was, show me what you mean by that. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great hinge. Shoot the rocket at your butt, dude. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just find that the goofiest cue and you yeah. don't think it's going to work and it works out. And it's like, well, if it works for you, it works for you. Let's do it. Yeah, that's dude. That's that's <laughs> uh, it's it was so funny because like, of course, everyone got a big laugh out of it. But then it was almost like monkey see monkey do. Right. Because then the kid yeah. demonstrated what he was talking about. And then all the other kids got after it, right? And then it just became a game. And then that's what it was for the rest of the camp. I was like, all right, sweet. At least we got it down, right? Yeah. But see, it's those little moments with youth sports training and youth training in general is why I really love working with the population. Um, I actually have a funny story that's very similar to that. This is actually our last term, one of our our high school students. Yeah. Um, And he was comical all semester, like all... Our nine, uh, our nine weeks in it. And I remember we were, uh, I can't remember which exercise that we were doing, uh, specific exercise that we were doing. Um, but I believe, I believe it was, um, oh, it was our, we were doing single leg RDLs actually. In yeah. fact, so we were working that hinge pattern. And I, I remember at the top, I, I was like kind of cueing, hey, squeeze, squeeze your glutes, AKA. And I was like, AKA your butt. Cause if, do youth athletes know what your no. glute is? No and way. I always say just because from a professional lens, okay, this totally. is your glute, but hey, you guys, this is your this is your butt. Let's just be clear with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, the funniest moment happened because he it like was a light bulb moment. He was like, "Wait, your glutes are your butt?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." What did you think I was saying? He was like, "I re- honestly thought you were talking about gluten the whole time." The entire <laughs> class stopped and we were busting out laughing. And he yeah. was dead serious. Totally. So that is the the best part about youth sports training because you just get these like real, like human funny moments and their innocence kind of yeah. even still um, that you kind of get into the training. So I, yeah. I, I'm, I got thousands of different stories just like that. Um, yeah. Dude, well, I think you bring up an inch, an awesome point too, though. It's like the, uh, like when, so the, and maybe this is me, but I think most people we got, you talk to them about like youth sport, youth, youth training, right. Or youth development or youth athletic development or youth sports. And a lot of times people are going to be thinking about like kiddos, right? Like, you know, 10 ish, like sub high school. Right. But a lot of times, yeah. but like youth, like youth 
development, youth athletic development, youth sports, like that is a lifelong um, or at least a long-term development. Like up until like through high school, we're talking about youth sports, right? Like you're not collegiate, you're not pros yet, like you're youth sports, right? Um, what do you guys, so like lay it on me a little bit. So it sounds like you guys work with some high schoolers. Um, I know you guys work with some like little kiddos over there. Um, mm-hmm. What is kind of like your guys' youth program look like and why do you have such an interest in it? Yeah, so let well let me start with what we do over at Fitwood. So we have a variety of youth program. Let's just say youth programs in general in terms of that umbrella. Mm-hmm. So we work with um like little kids from the ages of five all the way up to through to what our programs are, which I pretty much run our youth athletic development program, which runs up to 17, 18, all the way through high school. Like. Because when we look at it, we we function off the principle that health and fitness is a life skill. Mm. We want to, you know, the same way that like for adults, we think of your uh, finances and being able to manage your finances as a life skill. I look at it in the sense of you have one body in this life and everything that you're going to do, your profession, your family, you name it, you're going to do through your body. And so the and the studies are clear, the younger that you are able to start and cement that value, the better and the more successful they are with it. On the same rate, when they are not, when it's not as valued, we typically see those youth Youth and youth athletes have higher obesity, um, bad body composition, um, high risk of injuries or other metabolic diseases. So if we can get them started earlier to just movement, right? Yeah. Human beings are beings of movement and every mm-hmm. everything in our body can, is with movement, hormones, when signals, movement, right? Blood flow, movement. So we start with movement at the early age. Now, are they doing barbell squats at five? No, obviously not. Totally. Right. But- And um, so we follow a long-term athletic development model Mm -hmm. and make it skill appropriate at five, you know, essentially through five through 12, we focus on a lot on play, Mm -hmm. and which is especially important now, especially kids Mm post-pandemic, right? During the pandemic, most of these kids for maybe at least a year up to maybe two or even three years did not get any like clear physical education. Yeah. Well, right. well, real quick. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, but like the, uh, I think you hit on something that's so empower, uh, impactful there and powerful and, and something that's good to reiterate is like up until a certain point, like we're focusing on movement, right? Like um, I, I immediately was reminded of the, uh, I was having this conversation with the uh, former director of athletic performance for, Ohio, for the Ohio State Buckeyes, right? Like yeah. one of the, one of the most um, highly decorated strength coaches at the collegiate level, right? And uh, he now owns a gym up in Columbus called Plus University, where he works a lot with like speed development for youth athletes, right? But I was talking with him, and you know, he gets a lot of people just because of his name. Like a lot of people send their kids to him because like they think they're the next like you know the next big time athlete and everything, and they're ten years old, right? And he's like, bro, don't talk to me until your kid's about fourteen has actually gone through a little bit of puberty, right? Because uh, none of it's, none of this matters until like hormones catch up. Like unless you, uh, but unless you have good movement patterns, setting that good foundation so that when you do actually hit a developmental stage and you can start loading up with a barbell or you can start loading up with the, some of these other things. So the, the demands of sport become a little bit more, uh, high, right. Uh, the movement part of that is so important. So I love that's a focus of y'all's. Yeah. 
And so that's what our younger groups do. Focus yeah. on movement, play, and like basic patterns, skipping, yeah. crawling, hopping, galloping, being able to differentiate movement, Yeah. right? Having movement variability. Yeah. And by the time they get into um, the teenage, uh, teenage years, then we kind of have two different tracks. We have more of our youth training, which is still a little bit of um, general fitness training, but a little bit more of the play style. And then, or you're coming to me where we're focusing on more of that youth sports training, where mm -hmm. we're focusing on trying to develop and um, improve your athletic capacity. So allow it to transfer to the field court um, uh, uh, during, the, during their time of athletics. So that's yeah. kind of what we do. Let's develop movement, progress it from a general capacity standpoint, the younger ages, because we know they need it right now. Mm -hmm. and, and they're going to cement those good habits. And then as we get into the context of sport, how do we apply those movements? Mm. Yeah, dude, I love that. So then when you're making that switch, so like when, um, say you've got a kid who's like around that like 16 age frame, right? Yeah. Um, and they're, Oh man, soccer is a huge sport here in Decatur. So we'll, we'll roll with soccer, right? So yeah, um, about 80 to probably 85% of our population is soccer. Dude, for sure. Which is so wild because that's so different from when I grew up. It was just like 80 to 85% football, right? Um, but rightfully so, soccer's taking a little bit of a, of a jump there. And, uh, but you know, it's interesting because the demands of that is, uh, are wild, right? Like you have to be able to be strong enough to prevent injury, like an ACL tear, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which are super high in the sport of soccer, especially we start talking about our female athletes, right? Um, but you also have to have the metabolic conditioning to handle the uh, the endurance aspect of a game like of a sport like soccer as well. So, like, what would be kind of like your approach of like that sixteen year old high school athlete that's trying to um, make the Decatur High School soccer team? Yeah, I think that for one, if you're trying to improve your sport and, and what we're really talking about is resiliency, yeah, yeah. right? Like what, what does strength training do is resiliency. And because especially a sport like soccer and everything with club culture now, um, we want to be able to, once they're in season, be able to maintain the performance that they built up from the off season and preseason. Mm. And um, so if they want to be resilient, they want to be powerful, they want to be in conditioned enough um, and have their um, and being able to differentiate the movements that they need in sport, then that's where that's where the strength and conditioning comes in. Strength and conditioning is not to make them the best weightlifters. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That, like if you're trying to make them you know, the, the best weightlifters, then you're doing strength and conditioning wrong. Right. Strength and conditioning is, to, is supposed to be a tool yep. and every tool has a purpose. So my purpose with strength training is, hey, let me develop power. Let me develop speed. Let me de develop intermuscular coordination, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's why we want to develop strength training. So, you know, working through them and having a proper, you know, time to really develop their overall capacities because even if they're 16, Right. And you know this, right, that just because you're 16 years of age doesn't mean that your training age is 16. Yeah. 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 100 percent. Yeah. It could be zero. Most likely is zero. Yeah, right. Zero, right? <laughs> yeah. I have sometimes I have I get, you know, middle school athletes. I might move better than my high school athletes. Totally. Right. So, so it, it it doesn't matter about your age range so mm. much as that measure matters about your exposure range. Yeah, yeah. Exposure range will is a big determinant 
of your performance. The same way it is the sports. If you, for many kids, you know, your exposure in your sport can definitely, you know, help improve you in your success in sport. That's why kids are always in their sport. They're trying to get more exposure time. Totally. But in the same way, if you're not, if you don't have the resilience to match your exposure time, that's when we have that imbalance. And that's what we try to fix. Dude, I love that. There's so many things that you just like brushed over that are so important to kind of go back and like reiterate and <laughs> kind of put a little bit more emphasis on because everything you said was so spot on. Like, the uh like the idea of um resiliency right and a lot of like a lot of times like let's stick with this like uh soccer example right like yeah. and a lot of kids are playing soccer all year round right um it's it's really like you see early specialization happening more and more which is fine it is what it is but the, but we all know like you, there's ways to battle that and one of the best ways to battle that is by doing some good strength conditioning, because if you go to a, and I emphasize the good side of things there too, because like you should be able to use strength conditioning as just like you said, a tool to help build resiliency. Right. So, um, exercise is so man-made, right? Like it's not like we came out of the womb knowing how to deadlift, right? It's not like that was like, we weren't like put on this earth to do single leg RDLs, right? Uh, so like, these are all just different tools that we have to help develop certain things like power, like, um, like speed, like strength, like resiliency. So if you're going, if you're, if you're playing soccer all year round, say you're in the middle of the season and you know what the beginning of the, um, season looked like, right. Um, or what they, what they look like towards that tail end of the season, you're trying to get ready for the next game, the next year, you know, for a fact that like, they're going to need, uh, one, they're going to be a little beat up, right. If they're at the end of the season, right. They're going to be a little beat up. We know that we're going to have, they're not going to have the strength that they should have. Right. Um, or the strength that, you know, that like their strength is going to be lower because they just finished out a season, right. They haven't been focusing on the weight room because they shouldn't be right. But the weight room is definitely a place that we can help build that, um, that extra strength, um, versus trying to turn people into a, a barbell athlete. Right. Because, uh, I think Mike Reynolds was the one that said it first. So I was like, oh, that's right. Right. Cause like, uh, like he actually has this whole thing called like the death of the back squat where he, he you know, this is a very well-respected SNC coach and he didn't have any of his athletes really do any barbell back squats because he's because of that same argument. Right. He's like, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to turn my kids into athletes on the field, right. Or athletes on the court, not athletes in the weight room. Um, and he's like, and we can develop strength in a lot of different ways. That's going to help with like, and his opinion, uh, provide like lower risk of injury, but, uh, that's up for debate as well. So I love that you yeah. talked about, all I was going to say as a strength coach, we can, I can, we can get into that pretty regularly. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you touched on a lot of really good points, right. That, and one of the things that you said that that made me think was on the fact of like how you mentioned that as you go throughout the season, you have certain strength declines. Yeah. And I think it's a, for athletes and even parents even listening, it's important to understand that because a lot of the times with sports and you see this with more so with I'll, I'll just say football, like, sure. for example, like they'll say it all the time. Like it's kind of it's kind of the, you know the war of attrition who's going to be the healthiest at the end mm -hmm. because the mo it's not who's the best it's not right. who has the most talent it's who's the most prepared and that's both physical and mental and that's a whole nother realm we can yeah, even yeah. Have, right <laughs> yeah. i can get, get into a little bit of mental performance training right yeah um, as that, it's been a really big new interest there for me but like mm -hmm. sticking there to the physical that we want to have the resilience because throughout the season we we want you to peak at the right times, right? I don't necessarily 
like obviously we want you to prepare at the beginning of the season, but I want you to peak when you want it, when you need to peak. I want you to peak during that tournament, during that last quarter, during that last drive. That's when we want to have peak performance. Yep. If I peak in the beginning and then I deter at the end, well, the person that peaks when they need to peak, right? In the moments, you hear that all the time when you watch yep. ESPN, right? They talked about it with Lamar. Like, did he hit the moment? Well, he yep. didn't make necessarily peak the time that he needed to. Yep. And so as we go throughout the se- as we go out the throughout the season, we want to create the resilience so that the natural strength declines that occurs because of the stressors that happen in the season. Yeah. The rate of it is not as big or it's not as grand as it would be if you didn't have that. Right. So right. so that's that's where that's what it com- comes to. Totally. Another piece of it that I like to communicate with my parents and athletes is on the preparation piece. Yeah. The what helps you be most resilient or helps you recover in the season is how you manage your overall calendar year. Yeah. Because for athletes, they don't they don't just function on January through December. Yeah. In their season, we go based upon when their season in is, when it ends. When is their off season? When is their preseason? Yep. And depending on where what sport you're in, we you know with soccer, that's going to vary throughout the calendar year. But they have their own calendar year. So to help them be resilient throughout the season, we first have to look at how we manage the postseason, the off season, the preseason. So therefore, when we talk about training, we're not doing off season training in season. Yeah. No. I, my, my goal there, as especially as a strength coach, is to manage you during the season. Yep. Your best ability is availability. Yep. I can't do off-season training in season. If I do that, you're more at risk of getting, getting injured, more at risk of getting overloaded and performance declines. Yep. I don't want to do that. I, yep. my, my main goal at that point is to keep you healthy, keep you performing. Yeah. So how we've helped them be resilient, manage their off-season, and help them peak in season. Yep. Yeah. Dude, I think that's so intelligent because like, you know, you talk, you think about these youth athletes, right? And, uh, you know, if we're talking about high school level in particular, like they've gone through uh, their high school classes, their college prep classes, they probably have gone or they've gone through like, you know, I was working with this baseball player at one point and he had gone, yeah, he would go into the weight room in the morning before school. Then he would go to school. Then he would go to like after school, like prep classes. Then he would go to baseball practice. Then he would go to his pitching coach and he was coming to me saying that his elbow hurt. I'm like, yeah, dude, I bet it does hurt, right? Like, <laughs> like, like how much? Yeah. Do you, like, and like, you know, our, the first few sessions was just talking to him. Like, how much are you sleeping, right? Like, what is your what? Are you eating a peanut butter sandwich all day, man? Or like, what do you? Because it sounds like you're trying to be a high level athlete. You need to feel like one, right? Like, yeah. um, who? What's your coach that you're going to? Are you going to the appropriate coach? And like, I'm never going to be one to like call somebody out by any means, but like. Uh, we've worked with enough healthcare professionals. Um, cause I, I consider strength and conditioning and personal training. I very much consider that part of the healthcare system. Um, but we've worked with enough like healthcare professionals and, and the S and C world that we know when somebody is like, uh, if, if you're any good in the area, we should probably know who you are. Right. Like, um, and then like, if, the, if we're seeing things like if they're loading you up mid season and trying to have you hit like a one RM, like barbell back squat, because that's, what's in the periodization of the program. Right. Like, Man, that's a coach that's on not necessarily on autopilot, but that, but isn't de- being dynamic in their thought process and how they're trying to approach an athlete, right? So, um, I love that you take all of that into consideration because, man, it's kind of like when you look at sports, especially an athlete that's in season. Like, 
their skill level will probably go up because that's what they're focusing on, right? And like, so it's like this interesting trade-off. Yeah, right? right. And it's like this real interesting trade-off of like, yeah, will your back squat go down? Probably, right? (laughs) But um, but your skill in the sport should be going up at the same time. And it's just like on that side, on like the S&C side of a sport, it's really like, who can slow down the slowest and the, throughout the season, right? And like if you if you're oh, yeah, starting that's from a fair uh, way to say it, who can slow yeah. down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if and if you can start at a higher point, then you've got more room. Then you've got more gas in the tank to kind of like give up, right? So um, I love that that's what you focus on and that you understand. Not that you understand, but like that you emphasize the fact that like anything that's going to be important during the season is all about what we do like uh, after the season preseason leading up to when is the peak moment of your season that we need to focus on yeah. right how we yeah. get you most prepared. and in the private sector it's a little bit it's obviously it's gonna be a little bit harder because by that time wait say that again no i'm sorry you're good what were you saying yeah i was saying that in our program even specifically like that's not something that we just talk about or that's theory like it's put in practice yeah so many of the time many times we have our classes that we have for middle school and high school i have athletes that are both in season preseason, and off season yeah and it's important for me as their coach or the one of our assistant coaches to know that because how we will handle that session will det- it, it is uh or how we handle the session is going to be determined on like where they are they are at in season um, if I have an athlete that's in season, there might be, it might be a day where like, Hey, yeah, this is going to be like your more higher intensity lift. Mm-hmm. Um, but say, for example, they have a, you know, a game on Thursday and it's Tuesday. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lift you super, super heavy. Right. right? I'm going to give you a good stimulus, but I'm going to be looking at that 48 to 72 hours for you to recover your CNS to recover. Yep. Right. Or if you just came from a hard, you know, if you had a really hard practice yesterday, I'm, I'm probably going to draw back the intensity a little bit Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, on, on the next day um, to help facilitate recovery. And, and that's, an, and that's why like knowing your stuff with physiology and stuff and everything like that matters, because once again, what is the ultimate goal? It's not mm-hmm. for them to perform like we, yes, to a degree, we want them to perform well in the weight room. Yeah. But you know, cause as strength coaches that hit that strokes our ego. Right. But yeah. I mean, but at the end of the day, what makes it even better is when I hear like, hey, they were able to go up to the next team, like, or hey, they they scored this many goals, you know, during during this weekend. Like that's at the end of the day, is what matters. Totally. And so we want to be so we do that in a very practical lens too, of looking up how we how we want our athletes to be involved. Because once again, we talk about the athlete calendar year, like, okay, cool, if you're in season. And you're not getting a lift. I, I, you know, you're in season. I recommend you coming into our program at least once a week. Yep. Why resilience? Okay. Then when you're off season, cool. Increase your frequency. The priorities of when you are in your season is what changes the training, not yep. the workouts. We don't work out. Athletes don't work out. We train. Why do we totally. train? We adapt. So I want to manage your adaptation. And so, and you foster that throughout the year. And that is ultimately how we keep youth athletes reco- um, healthy. We can manage recovery. We can understand what the stressors going on in their lives, all that. So th- that's what, that's, that's one of the things that we really try to emphasize in our program, even specifically. Man. And then again, this is all built off of having good movement foundations, right? Which if we can circle back around and if you can get those kids in there when they're a little bit younger, we start working on those movement patterns. 
dang man think about the advantage they're going to have when they get into when those hormones do hit and they do start working on resilience and they are trying to hit some maxes in the weight room like oh my gosh man it's like yeah. hitting rock it's like putting lighter fluid on a fire right well what is sports sports is really utilizing movement to accomplish a task yeah right yeah, yeah. So like because because you know there, yeah. there's sports but we, we say it all the time sports specific well what does that mean mm -hmm. there are specific demands for each individual sport yep. yes basketball i was i was a hooper so basketball and soccer both do change of direction yep the way in which they do change of direction are different yeah are there some similarities sure but one has a ball on their feet, one has a ball in their hand. That changes yep. their acceleration angles. That changes in how they maneuver, right? We can even look at that from how they accelerate in 10 yards. Yeah. So the, your ability to use movement to solve task is the difference. And having more movement variability to be able to differentiate and distinct movement and then to apply it in those contexts is the key. Yeah. So I want you to have as much movement variability. And then in that sports specific context, you build your ability to access that. I call it your toolbox. Yeah. yeah. I want you to access it, your toolbox when you need it. But if you don't have the tools in your toolbox, well, yeah. man, that next person up is going to be able to get you right. Like, uh, right. man, dude, I love that. This has been great. So, um, Coach Sam, if somebody wanted to reach out and learn more, which I hope you all do, man, if you've got a kid that's in sports or, you know, is just curious about movement or you just want them to like learn movement practices and movement styles, this is, uh, I couldn't recommend these guys enough. They're fantastic at what they do. If, uh, if they wanted to reach out to you or learn more about FitWit or y'all's youth development program, what'd be some really cool ways that they could do that or easy ways that they could do that? Yeah, for sure. Well, one of, um, uh, one of the ways, if, if you're a youth athlete out there, follow our um, Fit With Fit With Youth page, right on Instagram. That's one way in which you can do it. Where you know we talk about things related to sports performance, um, strength training, um, and even just highlight um, some some of the cool things or athletes in our program. Like today, I'll post about one of our athletes, you know, who won his meet last week over at Decatur High School. Let's go. Um, he's yeah, been in our program for a while now, right? Him, yeah. He, and he, he's he's been doing awesome wrestler um but so you can hit our fit with youth page you can also um go and to our website at fitwit.com to learn even more about our programs or currently we just uh, we're currently in our spring term one um and are still doing enrollment we enroll folks all the way through so we have both our nine week term which is term one and then our full 18 week term um, that we have our athletes that they can join in and start learning proper movement patterns um, initially on because we want them to stay healthy. We want them to perform well. And then ultimately, we want to cement the principle of health and fitness in their life. Um, and then if you if you, you know, for example, if you want to if you're looking for any individual training, we have uh, tons of sports coaches that have different individualizations and niches. I know for mine, you know, like one of mine, as we were kind of talking was ACLs. We, uh, you know, yep. we have uh, one of our other coaches. He'd, um, he used to play um, collegiate football. We're still a lot of football players, baseball players. Um, another guy, he um, was actually our intern this time last year from Morehouse College and ran track there and works with a little bit of some uh, of our, our other team sport athletes. So we have a lot of people that do a lot of different things. But if uh, but if you're looking for any training, you can always hit me up on my personal email at sam at fitwit.com. All right. Awesome. And then from there, we can direct you to 
to help you out in any regard. Yeah. Dude, Sam, this has been great, y'all. Again, I can't recommend them enough. I think that they do an incredible job. And this is just a piece of what they do. They're they're at their adult programs are just as sweet. But um, I was super excited to talk with Coach Sam about his youth development program here. And um, you know, we t- we just touched on the surface on a number of reasons why I think that they're amazing um, and why I think that that youth development program is so uh, unique. But uh, definitely check out those resources, learn a bit, a little bit more. And Coach Sam, man, I really appreciate your time again on the podcast. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate it, too. We got to do this another time real soon. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.